0: Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Welcome, thank you for joining us again at Parents of Truth Podcast. I'm Peter, your host for today, and this episode is with three of our podcast friends, Daniel, Aaron, and D1. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. All right, I will be uh, learning a little bit today about the sacred name movement and its possible impact on Christian beliefs and Christian living. Some of our listeners may have heard a little bit about it, um, but maybe you haven't. So our uh, central question for today's co- discussion conversation is that is it necessary for Christians to call the Lord Jesus by his Hebrew name and title Yeshua Mashiach? or maybe I'm not pronouncing it correctly uh, Daniel and Aaron actually uh, both have uh, written at parents of truth blog post uh, two articles about this issue back in 2020 and we're happy to have them expand a little bit on the thoughts they wrote there with us. Uh, we also have another guest, Diwan, who has had personal experience with the Sacred Name Movement. And uh, will share his perspective during our discussion. All right. So let's start with the first question. So maybe you're curious as the audience. Um, what is the Sacred Name Movement? So... Um, When did it start? And what are the basic beliefs of this movement? Uh, Who can help us start the discussion?
1: Well, I can say for sure when it started, I think I first started hearing about it here in the United States around 2019 or thereabouts, and hadn't really encountered it before. And so I started doing a bit of research, trying to figure out what is this and what is it connected to? And that kind of led me farther back into what's called the Hebrew roots movement, which is popular with some Christians in the United States as far as I understand it, the Hebrew roots movement has both a good side and a bad side. The good side is some believers are saying, well, the Old Testament was in a context that we don't understand from our present culture. So let's try and dig more into that context, find out how those traditions worked, what they meant, how would a Jewish audience have understood these things. But then you get the other side of it, which is basically falling back under the law, like the Galatians did. It's like, now we have to do these things. And so that seems to have been at least for many North American Christians, kind of a jumping off point for the sacred name. Well, if these are the things we have to do, then we also have to speak them correctly or we are not sufficiently holy.
0: Uh, what do you know, Daniel, about the impetus of the sacred name movement?
2: Well, it's, it's uh, gone through various uh, forms in the past. I think it originally started in in the 20s or 30s um, out of the Church of God Seventh Day. And it was it was, like Aaron said, out of the Hebrew Roots Movement. Which is basically a return to Judaism or uh, uh, a concept of Judaism uh, for the modern day. So it has quite a few different groups that are there. We first, I was first introduced, like Aaron, about 2019, when some of the people that we knew uh, started espousing some of the doctrine, uh, not all of them, but some of them, as far as the Hebrew names of Jesus, and we must use those names and refer to him using those
0: terms. So do we know other than North America, so we know it did impact some of the believers in North America. What other places in the world did it impact?
2: I think it's it's impacted a lot of some of Africa. I don't know a lot of the African uh, movements there, but there are some that are, are impacted. Um, it's impacted some in India and uh, in Asia. Um, I think d would, be able to speak a little more of, of that in his, uh, his experience in probably Europe. I'm not sure about Europe, but uh, uh, as the doctrines go, it, it tends to, to uh, travel quite widely.
0: So, this question is uh, specifically for D1. Uh, D1, why do you think this movement is attractive for some believers? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experience with this movement. Thank
3: you, uh, Peter, for this opportunity. Well, um, I was not really sure about uh, when this uh, sacred name movement started. And uh, at the same time, you know, who are following this? And I came to know about this sacred name movement when some of our brothers, uh, Nepalese speaking brothers, started following uh, this uh, Hebrew-based names and, uh, and uh, you know, Paul in Corinthians speak about imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we as a Christian ought to uh, follow Lord Jesus Christ as a perfect example. And we don't follow people. We don't seek on any man's and his ideology. But uh, we are supposed to follow Lord Jesus Christ. But but this is what is happening in our um, in in our midst that some of the believers follow other believer believer, and uh, how we see that some uh, so called delivering brethren in our midst. Um, I mean, uh, Nepalese-speaking laboring laboring brethren, and those are the brothers who were deceived by this uh, uh, strange teaching, and uh, they tilted towards this teaching, and uh, uh, mostly a lot of Nepalese brethren, Nepalese believers who don't really speak English, and uh, who depends on those brothers who speak English, and who are so-called laboring brothers. And once they, you know, they accepted this strange doctrine and teachings and uh, started following them. And uh, the other simple believers, uh, you know, not seeking to Lord Jesus Christ, but, you know, seeking to people. And uh, they started following those brothers And how we, you know, missed about ten to fifteen families from among us.
0: So it seems like um, um, somebody follows somebody, some follows somebody. So it's more of attraction to a a person. Following people, following people. Following people. Okay. Um, I see. And I see
3: there are a lot of lot of speaking brothers and sisters who doesn't really know what that that secret movement is. Without knowing what is behind the the screen, they're blindly following, you know, the brothers they love.
0: I see, yeah. So maybe maybe we can expand a little bit about what's the sacred name movement. I don't think it seems harmless, you know. What's the what's the harm of calling Jesus Yeshua? As far as I understand, you know, that's basically calling the Lord Jesus with their Hebrew name. Um, So is there harm with it? Was not? That is the name that was called in in for him um, by his, you know, family at that time. And what about Messiah, Mashiach, right? Is that inaccurate? What's the danger in all this? Well,
2: it seems the focus is unbiblical. Uh, The biblical writers uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament Refer to God in not generic terms, but as God, not using His name of Yahweh or Jehovah or what with specific terms, and they call Him Elohim, for example, or um, various variants of that, Um, and Theos in Greek, and that's I mean the Greek and Hebrew are not I mean they're they're distantly related, but they're not the same name, Um, and referring to uh, Jesus as Jesus. Um, but if, if basically, if, it, if it's appropriate to use generic terms in the Old Testament, New, New Testament by Hebrew writers, what would be the purpose of focusing on a specific name um, given to a person at birth when there are many other variants of that name that are, are uh, accepted in, in language, in, in culture? Um, So, for example, Russian pronunciation or Nepali pronunciation is slightly different. Um, English pronunciation is different yet. And so um, I think only focusing on what some person's view is of a Hebrew word is, is misguided. Especially since there are no or very few native Hebrew speakers and certainly none that are old enough to remember how the old, old, old Hebrew was originally spoken.
1: Thoughts, Aaron, about this too? Well, thoughts and maybe a bit of a question. Uh, Dwan, as we were having a conversation before we came online for the recording, um, I'm familiar with some of your friends and relatives who live local to where I am. And so I get to hear, I get to hear them pray in Nepali. And then as, if I'm getting the pronunciation correctly in Nepali, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is normally referred to as Yesu Christ. Is that about, is that about correct? which is very, very close to, as I understand it, I'm not a Greek speaker, but I understand that that's very close to the Greek way of saying, uh, Yesu Christas, is that correct, Daniel? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, I so think. Yesu Christas or <laughs> Yesu Christ. Um, how did that come about among the believers in Central Asia? Was that brought to them? Is that how they would normally refer to them, even if they don't believe in him? Or can you can you clarify that a bit? Well, actually, you know, the Nepalese language, uh, Hindi language, uh,
3: they they believe that uh, the origin of those languages is from um, Greek or Hebrew or Ar- Aramaic, and that's how we have that uh, you know uh, Ya sound, which is J in English, Ya sound in Nepali, and uh, well, I mean, it, I, th- I think it's uh, you know the the person who first translated Bible into Nepali, he is a Padari Ganga Prasad. His name is Ganga Prasad. Padari Ganga Prasad. Padari is a pastor. And Ganga Prashad is his name. And he's the first person to translate a Bible from English to Nepali. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, as I said, that the Nepali and Hindi and some other uh, South, South Asian language is originated from the Greek or Hebrew based language. And that's how, you know, we, we pronounce Lord Jesus Christ as Prabhu Yeshu Christ. And Yeshu sounds uh, pretty similar. and uh, But at the same time, you know, these brothers who, who follow this, uh, you know, Strange doctrine claim that calling Yesu, probably Yeshu, Christ is also wrong. Calling Lord Jesus Christ is wrong. Calling uh, God is wrong. And it's, it has to be exactly uh, Yahweh, Yahuwah and uh, Yahshua, and uh, I think uh, this is uh, the, because of the, the origin of where Indian and Nepali came from has a, this, a similar sound, Yeshua.
0: So it's similar to, uh, you said, the language, the, the Hindu and Buddhist words? Well, actually,
3: Buddhist is a religion. That's a, a something different. It's not language, but uh, Hindi is a language and uh, hindi and nepali sound similar and who can speak hindi can understand nepali and who can speak nepali can also speak hindi so peter uh,
1: in arabic how how would we pronounce it
0: yesu al masih
1: okay so very close to the original or very close to what we believe the Aramaic would have been
0: uh, probably based on the region where arabic people speak
1: and it's a yesu Mashiach in nepali
3: to yesu Mashiach okay and then in in hindi isa masih isa that's how they call isa Messiah in hindi
0: so so often in english language you know when we describe something it it's weaker sometimes than other languages so it loses its potency from the original or from other languages so if english speaking people call the lord jesus lord jesus is that unintentionally disrespecting, is that the problem?
1: I guess, uh, kind of tying that with the previous question, Peter, my concern would be is, what are we focusing on? Are we just focusing on the exactness of a word that none of us can probably even pronounce in the original language, or are we focused on having consistency? Because that's what language gives you, and that's something that's really under attack today, especially in the modern West, is that words have consistent meanings. You can consistently use a word to mean something. And as soon as someone Uh, search for themselves the right to declare what a word means, then they gain power, they gain control. And that's, I mean, that's even apart from the, you know, talking about the sacred name movement, you see that in politics, it's always a trick in politics. It's becoming more and more of a thing in modern academics and even just general social discourse. A word doesn't mean what everyone understands it to mean. It means what I mean. If you don't use it the way I understand it, then you are guilty of something. This is not, you know, I mean, the fact that we see this in so many areas of society, of politics, of culture, of whatever, it's a pretty good indication where it's coming from. It's coming from the flesh. And now that would be my first concern is in trying to say, you must say the name according to some original word that I have discovered the meaning of, as opposed to how everyone else would understand you. What is the intention behind that? And I think that would do a little soul searching if it's asked more often.
0: I think that's very helpful, Aaron. Yeah, What's the root cause of calling... The Lord's specific name. Daniel, you want to add anything else to why? What's the danger of this movement? Why should we stay away from this?
2: There is a tendency among, it's a natural human tendency, but it's especially uh, attracted to some believers to have special knowledge or or some deeper knowledge that nobody else knows. And so that's, um, I think some of the danger of this is that they know if you know Hebrew or you know Greek or you think you know Greek or Hebrew or you're able to say <laughs> the names correctly and in a, in a certain context, I, that that gives some, like Aaron was saying, some power and some inside knowledge that other people don't have. And it, it makes you important.
0: So I'm going to move a little bit to a different direction here. But as Christian, we should have reverence to God, too. So we should not uh, eliminate this and the Lord Jesus. We see... Uh, how important the name of God throughout the Bible, and we see in the New Testament, a lot of the followers of the Lord Jesus called him Lord instead of just Jesus. So what can you say about this modern practice of simply referring to him as Jesus without the title Lord? Have we been unintentionally irreverent? Uh, have we diminished the sacredness of his name? Or if, is that is that okay?
1: Peter, I really like that question because that's something I've tried to hit on in a couple of my patterns of truth posts. I've noticed uh, just because I went to I went to a secular college, so I had to you know seek out and find Christian friends in you know Christian organizations or whatever who I could have Bible study times and things with, and that's just something I've noticed there going way back, and now more and more online, as you have opportunities to see what other people are teaching and believing, is there's a loss of reverence for Jesus as Lord, and I believe there is a loss for reverence of god the father as the father so people will say god and they will say jesus and maybe they mean correctly it's not for me to judge but do they understand that god is the father and provider of all and jesus is lord over all and so i think in that sense yes there is a risk of losing the sacredness of his name but not because of the pronunciation of the correctness of his
2: name but because of the meanings behind it i noticed in scripture you almost never have just the name Jesus by itself. You always have, when, when Stephen was being stoned, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When Peter was talking to the Sanhedrin, he said, um, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Uh, this Jesus is the, the uh, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But normally they would use Lord Jesus or or something else. And sometimes if we become too casual, it almost sounds, similar to what somebody would say in swearing. So how do you distinguish between the reverent name and the swearing name or the usage of it?
0: That's also helpful, Daniel. Thank you. want? do you want to add anything at the end?
2: Well, I don't
3: have any objection with uh, some people calling Jesus alone or Lord alone. But, uh, you know, I personally practice this, how, you know, in uh, Acts chapter 2, the God has made him made Jesus as Lord and Christ. And every time, I think it's uh, better for, I mean, I, I, I can't speak on other behalf, but for me, I would love to tell Lord Jesus Christ in full because there are so many people people calling their name Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, something else. And uh, I was watching uh, something this morning on my Facebook and there is a guy called, his name was Yeshua. and uh, with why Yeshua. And uh, so I would, I would prefer calling Lord Jesus
0: Christ. And yeah, that's uh, a good reminder. It's that the attitude that we have, it, what makes a difference. It's not just uh, the words. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, we lear- really learned a lot. I learned a lot and have been uh, challenged about how we speak about the Lord Jesus. As a reminder to our listeners, Daniel has written a question and answer post for Patterns of Truth for this topic. The name of the post is, Must We Address Jesus Using His Hebrew Name? So it's, Must We Address Jesus Using His Hebrew Name? And there's also another question and answer written by Aaron Vino. And uh, the name of this uh, his title is, Is the Name Jesus Only the Earthly Name of the Lord? Is the name Jesus only the earthly name of the Lord? So go ahead and check both of these uh, great articles out. And we'll have uh, also a link for them in the show notes. Uh, We really hope that this discussion made you think, gave you some answers, and maybe piqued your interest so you dig deeper into this topic. Ultimately, our goal is to start conversation, stimulate curiosity, and engage our critical thinking. What's the point? To grow closer to the Lord. Thank you all, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Parents of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out parentsoftruth.org. Where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ's followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website on Peter. Until next time.